Time. You're getting lazy in your old age there, Nate. You're getting very lazy. You're just, you, you, just sit, you just sit back and take all the Patreon money and we're the guys off to do the work and keep the show entertaining for everybody. He's tired. He's, He's tired from practicing on his new predator table. So it's, 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 the perks of being the boss, I guess. Yeah. Should we, talk actually, about, should we talk about Joshua Filla destroying everybody in China? After I finish out that very rude statement from Ray, I don't get to play on my Predator table yet. Oh, guys, guys, I'm going to have to go. I've got a leak in my room from the bad weather that's coming through. So I'm out here. Sorry, guys. There's water coming in my room. Sorry. See ya. Sounds good. Well, then. <laughs> <laughs> have you hit boss that one. on your table yet or no i can but it, it's it's uh i don't have a light for it yet and i got like cathedral ceilings so my ceilings are like 25 foot tall so you're so, ready for the time to open next year yeah pretty much so um <laughs> i do uh i'll give a shout out to litman lights who's uh going to be joining the uh podcast as a sponsor going forward they are sending me a very, very, very beautiful nine foot light hopefully by the end of this week so huge shout out to litman lights uh, I think they're uh, pretty widely considered one of the best in the business. And I believe that they are very, very, very awesome. And I guess I had my pick of lights and that's kind of the one I wanted to go with. I decided it, or I, I feel that it's the best light for um, not being overly bright, uh, but also giving enough light that you can see the entire playing surface. And I don't know, I just really like the Lippman lights. So I decided to go with them. They're, they're American made too, right? They are American made too. Fantastic. Bald Eagle noises. Uh, li li little Chris. Yes, I cut it, uh, I guess now almost two months ago, and it's already growing back in. That's why I knew it wasn't going to be uh, too long of a wait for the beard to pop back up. Um, we, we should have a race to like, uh, I don't know, what do you think, like six <laughs> inches worth of beard, five inches worth of beard? I, I mean, I'm going to have to spot you, obviously, a month, but uh, uh, if, there ever, if, there, if there was ever a hot race in Fargo, that would be it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's awesome that Litman's sending you a light. Um, are you getting one of their panel lights or one of the perimeter lights? I think, don't uh, they have perimeter light design too? If they do, I don't know about them. Okay. So maybe it's just one of their like three by or whatever. Yeah, yeah, three by six is what I'm getting, I think. Cool. Or three and a half by six and a half or something like that. Cool. So, yeah. Feeling pretty good about that one. Hopefully, I'll have it early next week and I can set it up um, just in time to leave for the U.S. Open. Fantastic. Yeah, U.S. Open's coming up in a couple weeks. I know we just had the China Open finish up and uh, was it Filler and Raga in the finals? It's the, what, their second uh, major clash deep in a big tournament in about a month and a half or so, two months. Yeah, and it's the second uh, second tournament that Raga has come runner up in, and I believe. Do we consider the China Open a major? I, I feel like we would just about have event. to, right? Well, it, it's a big event. You have to ask Mike Pinoza if it's a major or not. Um, it's it's, uh, it's definitely a big event. The competition <laughs> is, is super high. Is it single elimination that tournament? Or I think it's like a modified. Modified, so like you have to. I, th I think it's a modified. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But it, it's. I mean, because it's China. I mean, it's really actually hard to get any information on the tournament at all. Yeah, that's a that that's a shame about stuff. There were a couple streams that popped up, and I think you can already see the the final match. I mean, filler. Uh, yeah, there know, there is YouTube. One on the spot, uh, template rack. It's just you know it's going to be a gun show, so it it makes sense that two of the biggest guns made it to the final. Um, 
and it's it, was it winter break or alternate break? It was alternate break, right? Yeah, alternate break. Yeah, so that at least makes it, you know, you get your innings in. Um, it's funny because you know we now we have like a good year. We got Pinozo in. <laughs> hey, there you go. Uh, uh, we have about a year now of watching the nine on the spot break box format uh kind of really mature and then seeing now one on the spot template uh rack thing it's maybe it's a little bit because of production and lack of stuff but it, it definitely feels um less interesting you know what i mean it's it just feels like who's going to get on the lowest ball more often um that kind of stuff so the, you know there's the, that the break is a lot easier this way oh my gosh yeah 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 i mean it it opens up it makes it so that you know you can get a lot of big upsets too you know like low 700 fargo is it's not a shocker if he happens to you know jump up and beat absolutely not beat an 800 or something because you know the break is so significant the alternate break i think is necessary in that format because otherwise you get guys just running eights you know sixes sevens eights and then uh you know i don't know it could become a thing so um yeah. No, congratulations to Josh. You know, he, he's kind of like, that's his first big win in, in a little while because he hasn't really won a, a big event recently. He's gone deep in a lot of events. He's been playing real consistent, but hasn't like crossed the line. Yeah. I mean, he's won a, he's won a Euro tour. Um, I mean, we're not, we're not considering those majors, but it doesn't mean that they're easy to win. Um, he yeah. did win one of those this year. Uh, but and, yeah, he's, 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 that. Gone, he's gone deep in a bunch of the like matchroom yeah. stuff. He keeps getting beat. He got beat by Kachi, he got beat by, you know, a bunch of people in different events. He got beat by Raga in the last, I think it was the European Open. So, I mean. Yeah. yeah uh, and one of the, fuck, that was a fantastic match, right? Yeah. No, it was one of the, one of the Hill Hill semifinals matches. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Josh is, Josh is, I mean, you, you, you know, you have like these little flare ups where like, I, I don't want to say that FSR was a flare up because I mean, he's still very deep in a lot of these events. Um, but, but you'll see like Kachi kind of come up and, you know, you see these players that come and they spike and then they kind of go back down. Uh, I mean, at lesser degree, you can even argue Albin was one of those. Um, but Josh just seems to be one of the consistent at the top, probably the most consistent player at the top to always be there. And then, you know, snap a few of them off. Yeah, he's always threatening. I mean, he's super talented, so it's like you give him an open kind of field like this to play one on the spot template rack where he doesn't have to do. He's going to be guaranteed more open shots on the one that way. Um, I mean, he's going to run over a lot of people. You know, you got to play yeah. really, really good to beat him. So yeah, um, yeah, that 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 makes sense. I think we have a couple. It's going to be a busy kind of couple months here in the U.S. as well. Some big tournaments coming up. Some huge uh, ones. What, what do we Regional. have? Well, I guess uh, this coming weekend we have the Connecticut Open uh, with uh, Je uh, Jason Jason Shaw's room is hosting that. And then we have the Michigan Open as well. No, so no, it's no. This, long... the, the, this coming weekend is the tournament at Rax in, in New York. And then I think uh, Jason Shaw's event is the following weekend. Am I wrong in saying that this is? Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. This... Yeah. The yeah. New Hempstead racks. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. So th then next week would be the Michigan Open, I believe, because the uh, Michigan Open is overtopping the Connecticut Open. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Jumping the gun. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So this is what happens when, I, when I'm not going to 
<laughs> the Michigan Open. I just lose track of when it is. Three big, uh, three big pro events in two weekends. Um, uh, the Racks event is this weekend. There was supposed to also be an event in Florida this weekend in Tallahassee. That was on the matchroom schedule, but there was a, a scheduling conflict after the New York tournament got added, and then there was a request to reschedule it, but we couldn't re reschedule it for Florida for this year, so we're going to push it to next year. So next year we'll have a big matchroom ranking event in Zingali's in Tallahassee. Um, and, uh, yeah, the next weekend is going to be Jason's event right before the U.S. Open. So Did you get into that? I sent an email, but I'm I'm – waiting so I'm, I'm probably just not going to go i'm probably just going to go train i know there's a few spots there's a couple guys that are on the waiting list that are in like in the mix right now for points and they're not sure if they're going to get in or not and i think there's been some cancellations from some of the asian players because of other stuff going on um so we'll see that for me that's like the only like uh thing i don't like about about that tournament so far is that it's kind of like not very transparent on how the selection process is going in, whether it's first come, first serve, or whether it's, you know, they're going by rankings or how they're making those those spots available. Um, it's great that it's right before the U.S. Open, so you get a, like a, a basically a test run to kind of see how how you're playing against high level competition, um, and it's in uh, proximity to the U.S. Open, so you can basically just literally drive to the wow. U.S. Open from from Connecticut if you wanted to. It's not a super uh, convenient drive. I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be close to six hours. Well, I mean, I'm Which from is, Florida, and six hours you, you're not even out of the state. When I lived in Miami, it was like, yeah. to I get suppose. to the big tournaments, I travel four to eight hours every every weekend. You know, it's but that six hour, depending on what time you go during that six hour drive, uh, that could be closer to a eight to ten hour drive too. Yeah, Virginia. Virginia in October is going to be a similar thing, whether it's Roanoke to Norfolk. It's not as long of a drive. But uh, they're having the Wolfston event. Um, but yeah, it, it would have been cool to have it more fleshed out, where you could just buy your entry fee right away and and put it up. But um, you know, hopefully the guys that are are trying to get in can get in and and can compete and get those those spots because you want to make sure that the guys that are in let's say the top five to ten range in points, um, you know, that have are in serious contention right now, get equal opportunities to compete against the other guys that are in that range vying for points. You don't want to give them an extra barrel um, and not include other guys that are in that same range that, you know, if you snap that tournament off, now you're, now you're, now you're in the third place spot. You know what I mean? Um, for four points and guaranteed a spot on the team. So especially for the Americans, um, I know some of the Europeans, you know, that's kind of shaking up. It looks like Federer is kind of in control of second place for right now. But um, yeah, so Jason's event, I haven't been to that pool room yet, but I, I, I hear it's pretty nice. So I'm sure that that'll be an awesome tournament. And then uh, the U.S. Open in Atlantic City. Well, Alex, kind of right. Sorry, I got that wrong. I guess it's not six hours. It's four hours. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. But that's, that's assuming good traffic too. So maybe yeah. instead of a four hour or six hour, instead of a four hour drive, you go the right time. It could be a six or eight hour drive. Sure. Maybe I drive slower than you, but I think I got a pretty bad left foot. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, for me, for me to Tallahassee is about four hours now from Orlando. So that's a, yeah, that's a comfortable drive. No problem. Pretty healthy drive. Yeah. So uh, where are you going to go to train if you do go? So, um, 
I'm going to be, I, I actually, there's a tournament this weekend in Florida, bar table event in Southwest Florida uh, in Cape Coral. I'm not going to go to that. I'm just going to stay home and, and train and put in some big hours because I've noticed in Florida, there's a lot of pool rooms with brutal conditions that like, you know, humidity sucks, rails are springy, balls are misshapen. And, you know, my priority is getting ready for the open. So I'd rather put in, you know, two, eight to 10 hour sessions at home on my table that kind of simulates what the conditions are and get quality reps in then go play a bar table event, even though it's great added money and it's for a great cause. Um, it's just not on my priority list. So I'm going to train here. Um, and then next week, next weekend, I'm flying um, Friday to New Jersey. So I'll fly into Newark and I'm going to be playing at um, I'll be playing in uh, this place called uh, Play Hoboken, which is where I normally go to. I stay in, in Union City and uh, there's a pool room slash community center in Hoboken called Play Hoboken. Awesome place. Uh, I go there every year before the U.S. Open and I'll put in like two or three kind of big practice days on their diamonds. It's quiet. It's out of the way. They have every premier ball set. They have all the template racks. They have everything you need. And um, the wow. owner takes care of me uh, pretty well. You know what I mean? So they have the black set. They have the Dynaspheres. They have the Pro Cup sets. They have whatever you want, Predator sets. So if you're getting ready for a tournament and you just want a quiet place with good tables to practice, that's the spot. Um, so I'll be there for three days prior to that. And then I'm going to drive from New York uh to Atlantic City with my friend Matt Katie and with Mika. Um, and then we'll go on Sunday to to Atlantic City, get settled in and get ready for the open. So sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh yeah, I mean I guess uh I, I'll be I'll be flying in, I believe, on Saturday. Okay. So maybe you want to swing by and grab me in Pennsylvania, huh? Huh? No sir. No, I mean I forget that yeah, it's so close that. that Pennsylvania, New York, and Jersey, it's like like a 45 minute drive or something like that. It's not, it's not long. I think from the airport, it's usually about an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, it's right around an hour. Uber is what yeah. I end up taking. I think the bus is only like an hour and like hour and a half or hour 45 or something like that. But I'm just, I don't know for right. how much it costs for an Uber. I'd rather do that than fade a two hour bus ride with. Right. Yeah. Bunch of randos. So I usually just Uber it out there. Um, but no, I think I'm getting there Saturday night. Cool. Something like that. So maybe we'll have to sit down and do a conversation uh, before the event. Are you are you playing, or are you just going to have a booth set up, or what? What's the deal? Uh, I'll be out there helping out uh, on board, so I'll be um, out there. Um, as of right now, I'm not planning on playing, but I, I was pretty close to playing last year. Um, they had a couple last second dropouts, uh, and I just didn't. I didn't have my. Um, no, I did have my excuse. What 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 excuse did I have? I had some excuse. The uh, uh, well, I mean, I was, I'm working out there with on board, but I had like a real excuse, like. I didn't have my break or so. I didn't have my break out there. Oh, I see. Yeah, the the queue it up jersey that you sent me, I can't wear for the matchroom tournament, right? Because it has the big logo. You cannot. On the, no. I can't wear it. Yeah, you're barred. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I'll, uh, you actually won't be able to use that for any of the uh, predator ones of uh, events either. So really brutal. Yeah, I've yeah. worn it a couple times here in Florida. It's nice. It fits great. That's the only experience I've had with onboard jerseys. That they feel really good. They're very comfortable. I have a few jam up jerseys that I love uh, and I designed for myself that I wore last year at the open. And I have a couple Florida companies that I've recently d done some jersey work with that um, I'm probably going to rock those for the open. And I have a special jersey that if I make it to like the final 16, I'm going to wear that. So cool. We'll see. Yeah. I'm going to be repping some of 
Maybe I'll have to get you one of the queued up ones without the the big logo on the back, so you can wear it on the the U.S. ones if you want. Yeah, it'd be cool. So, who do you like uh, going into the Open as far as on the American side and uh, or to win the tournament on the European side? Asians <laughs> are those two different things. <laughs> no, <there's>, you know, <laughs> on the U.S. side, who do you like to go deep, and on the Europe side, who's going to win it? <laughs> well, the Asians. Uh, oh. Raga might have something to say about all that. But. They might. Yeah. Well, well you're pretty crazy. The finals of the U European Open, if Raga wins that match against David, which he, he probably should have won, um, <clears throat> uh, I don't think David gets as high up in the in, in the rankings as he does. But that last game, you know, that missed ball on the side, um, saved the David. easiest shot in history? Well, it's not really easy. on Facebook? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a, it's a brutal situation to be in, especially if you don't have a ton of experience being in that situation. And those are the things where you're going to see those little ruffles in his game because his game is so good. So the things you're going to get that are error prone, it's not from like tactics or decision making on the game side. It's more of like execution, you know, with regards to the moment and those kind of things um, that are kind of a little bit more. You got to go through them. You know what I mean? That's that's really yeah. it. So people should be worried because it's just going to make them stronger. Um, and, um, yeah, that won't happen very much. <laughs> you know, I don't expect it'll happen to him as much as it's happened to some of the European players who have, you know, tried to come up and kind of cross that threshold to win a big tournament. But, yeah. I mean, Shane, uh, Shane's been really good on the U.S. side. You know, I've seen him play a couple big events and run deep. And Tyler looked really good. Right. Tyler Tyler looks awesome. You know, he looked really fresh at the Texas Open. And I think he's and kind the, of. And the event uh, the weekend before at uh, Oscars. I mean, he lost to Shane sure. Hill Hill, but uh, it took a break and run on the Hill Hill to for sure. Shane to beat him. And then uh, they go Hill Hill again at uh, the finals of the A side at the Texas Open, and Tyler gets him. So their last two matches went Hill Hill. I think uh, Tyler's doing an important thing right now where, you know, a lot of times you can only get certain things after you get proximity to other guys who are like, let's say at the top and getting to a place where you're comfortable with them and understanding them more and getting more personal with them and spending time sharpening up against them. We as the American side don't do that as much. Unfortunately, it's more of a habitual thing with the Filipinos. I think they do it the best and probably the Polish guys. Um, but Tyler is traveling around with Shane a bunch now. And I think that's really helping him kind of settle down and like, you know what I mean? Gain that extra, repetition with him and now there's a little bit more expectation on him to to show up and go deeper in these big events and win because he has that you know accountability partner through somebody who's done it at the highest level plus yeah. tyler works a lot you know he puts a lot of work in on his game Probably more than any other american player honestly. yeah right now yeah um as far as you know discipline and just consistent uh application of himself so it makes sense that he's going to start kind of he's doing all the right things for to have that happen for him so yeah man you know what do you, so what do you think what do you think the the do you think the little surge that tyler's had the last couple of months do you think that's just kind of where he's at with his game do you think it's uh traveling around to shane or do you think it's you know we did see pictures at the european open that uh, johan was there do you think that had anything to do with it what do you what do you think the the little spike in tyler's game has been yeah it's a lot of this stuff is is about timing you know you got you have to kind of fade the lulls a little bit and be consistent and put in the work through those things. And then eventually they're going to come together and you're prepared for opportunities like the last, you know, month that Tyler's had, 
you know, you're prepared to capitalize on them. And that's what he, he's put himself in position to capitalize on those things. And it's not necessarily one specific things. It's decisions along the way and consistent application of time and effort and focus that prepared him to have that opportunity to then, hey, you know, I went deep in this tournament, you know, went double hill, you know, got comfortable with that and then, you know, snapped one off against, you know, one of my idols, you know, that's awesome, you know, so it's, it's more of a culmination of dedicated decision making, you know, and it makes sense that he's, and his break is awesome, you know, this format, he's, he's among the best breakers in the country. And, you know, even last year at the International Open, he had a few sets where he just broke and like, it was silly, you know, Um, I mean, up there with like, almost as good as Federer's break, you know, like, his own kind of style of it, but really consistent. So, that all bodes well for him going into something like the open because he's on a high, you know what I mean? And confidence is growing and he's coming, becoming more more comfortable. So we'll see, you know? Yeah. Um, do you have any insight on why the uh, Texas open is not uh, on the matchroom schedule? I do. Um, I think that the main sticking point uh, for it not being uh, on the matchroom ranking point is because the owners did not want to adhere to seeding. Uh, they are old school. They've run the Texas Open now for 50 years. Uh, it's the longest running tournament in the country, I think. And they want to keep it as a true open event and not not do the seeding thing. And, um, you know, matchroom, that's a thing for them. They want to, you know, they want to reward the players who are going on the matchroom tour and, you know, putting in their work to you know, go through the rankings and collect points. Like I'm a seated player at the U S open, uh, which doesn't, I mean, doesn't guarantee you that, you know, you're going to have an easy draw last year. First might round. guarantee or might get you a Hampton Raga first round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Last year I drew uh BJS for first round. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's not an easy draw at all. And the guy, the guy plays great. Um, so, you know, but you're not going to play Shane or filler first round, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, so there's that, but, uh, I think as far as the Texas Open goes, they don't want to do do the seeding thing, which is fine. You know, it's fair. I think it's a fantastic tournament, and it's I think it's one of the best tournaments in in the country, and it it should be on the rankings list. So maybe eventually there'll be some kind of. Concession. Well, I spoke to a, I spoke to another promoter that um, is running a match ranking events, and they were very, very, very much not happy with the idea of having to rank them too. Not only because it's a logistical nightmare for like tournament directors um especially with like you know ed ladawi's in the chat so let's uh let's uh let's get him involved in here uh you know he had a bunch of dropouts at his event last year and then you got to do like seating too it's it's just a nightmare having to like well who's backing out the the morning of the tournament and now we got to like find out where the seatings are going to be and now it's just it's what what, what's your thoughts on the seating process as a whole i i don't know how like i haven't ran a board um with this format and i'm wondering if digital pool maybe uh has a way to resolve that for tournament directors with a more automation driven kind of thing where you put in the the parameters as like a function and you have kind of metadata attached to certain players they're on the list that's seated and they have their seating position and you the the board does it for you i think that's the smartest thing to do um i know bo powers ran an amazing event in um at, at amazing billiards in Walden mass. Um, and we had no hiccups and, you know, he had a couple, uh, you know, a few places, not full of a full, uh, bracket, 
but that was great. The the Bob Stock Memorial ran great, you know. So I, I know these guys are doing it. It's just a decision to do it. And then I'm sure Matrim will give guidance on how to make that stuff happen. And I'd imagine that that's something that Digital Pool could do, you know, that you credential your event as a Matrim event and it factors those things in. And maybe they have active plug into the database of whatever the rankings are and it could just factor that in when they do the draw. Um, I think that would probably be the easiest thing to take the pressure off the promoters. And then it just becomes simple. If somebody drops out, then they're in the spot where the buy, you don't reshuffle, you know, you just that's a forfeit and you just go from there, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you would think that you can't do the randomized draw until the morning of um, only because, you know, can you imagine a situation where you're, I don't know, you have a six hour drive and they do the random draw the night before or something like that. And you see that, Oh, okay. Well, Fedor uh, drew against me. I'm a seated player and I got to draw, you know, cause somebody drew Fedor uh, when he wasn't ranked. Right. It, you'll always have some, you know, especially these, Filipino players that are coming over, the Asian players or the Chinese yeah. players as they're coming back, someone's going to draw Wu Chiching as a as a non seated player. It's That's uh, fine. you know brutal, tough action. <laughs> you know yeah, what are you going to well. do? You just you just you got to beat them anyway. See, if you're going to the tournament, it's not like you're you're hoping to never play them. You know, you got to beat one of them to yeah a few of them to make to, to win to win the event. So you just see a situation where a player decides not to make the drive because they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to end up uh, playing against that player first round, and then somebody has to move up into that spot, and now you, now you just hear like a complain city that's uh, everybody's going to complain. Yeah. It is, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. So yeah. I, I guess, but what's your thought on the seating in general? Like, do you think do you think we should be seating tournaments? Do you think we should um, have some? It doesn't open tournaments. Me. What do you think? It does. It doesn't bother me at all. I kind of, you know, I, I feel like if if you're going to give seating to the players that are going and earning ranking points, like it's more of an incentive for them to earn ranking points. You know what I mean? It just further validates whether you want to invest in that system at all. So it's kind of like a small perk. But again, you have a lot of unseated players that are great players. So it's like you might get lucky and draw nobody who's just there for the experience, or you might draw a triple tough player first round. And sometimes you get into tough brackets. At that point, I that's out of my control. So I, I try not to ever put any real focus on it, to be honest. It's not something that I really care about. I think as long as those things are transparent and you're giving, you know, impartial treatment to all the players, treating them equally based on just them showing up, then then it's fair play. Um, I think some of the things that are more kind of like irksome for some people, not really for me, but like, you know, you give certain players preferential match time treatment. But then I look at that and I'm like, you know, Federer, you know, earned, you know, his status as the best player in the world for a long time, I'm sure. You know, if he had any say on when he would play his match, probably not playing first thing in the morning. He's probably playing, you know, whenever he wants to, you know, more or less. So well, it's, it's a Shane Van Boning looking at Sky Woodward after Sky Woodward says, well, you get to play in the TV table all the time. What does it matter? And yeah. Shane looking at him and saying, well, you and five, you, you and five U.S. Opens and you can play in the TV table all the time, too. Exactly. For me, it's more like, well, when I win five U.S. Opens, then, you know, great. I get to pick when I want to play. That's, you know, there's that. Or where I want to play, whatever. I to me again, that's out of my control. That's up to the the tournament organizers to to deal with and and schedule, manage egos and people's requests and whatever. Uh, I just want to go play pool, so I try not to deal with it. Um, hey, bang time pool! I think it's at Diamond Billiards the tournament this weekend. Um, yep. Yeah. Oh well, so I guess the argument um, the argument for seating. Uh, that Matchroom would give you is, well, this incentivizes you to play the schedule, right? Because sure. 
the more the more of the schedule you play, the more theoretically, the more ranking points you're going to end up getting. The more ranking points you're going to get, it the higher seating you're going to get. The more happy you're going to be that you're you're seating right. So that's like the argument for it. I guess the argument against it is the WPA answer of well, we've never done it this way, so why should we start now? Yeah. Uh, with that being said, I mean it's never been done before because it doesn't. There's never been a tour that's uh, existed for long enough to be able to get enough ranking points to justify using it, right? Yeah. Was, so, so was it not used because I think um, in the world, in like in like the WPA world where it's a lot of different organizers, um, and you know people putting up tournaments that are just they're just events that are being sanctioned, but they're they're open events, but they're made put together by different bodies or just being kind of approved by the WPA, then it, it makes sense to just have them be pure opens. Um, and that's fine too. You know what I mean? But because each one of these tours that are, that we're talking about are underneath uh, one organizer and that organizer is trying to incentivize people going to that tour, then they're creating a structure where you get rewarded for going to those tours. And that makes sense. So both make sense. You know, I, I like true double elimination. I think that's great. I think it's, but it also brings in a little bit more of an endurance factor and it penalizes the undefeated player, uh, you know. So, you know, there's give and take either way. You know, you're playing less matches with the single elimination and it's almost like you're playing two different tournaments when you get to the final 16 or the final elimination round or whatever. So, you know, again, those are just that stuff for the directors to, to deal with. As a player, you know, I just want to know what I'm getting into ahead of time and and not have that change on me, you know, mid-match, yeah. you know, if, if at all possible. Sometimes there's things that you can't really uh, avoid. And like poor Chris Melling last year had, he apparently thought he was going to have an extra hour or something before his TV table match in the final round of 16 or eight or something like that. And had the to run final, the final four. I think it was eight or eight to get to four, or I think it was four to get to, was it four it was, to get to? He lost, he lost the match. Well, yeah. He, he, he ended up losing the match. Oh, and he was pretty and I, I think he made it. I think he made it to the final four. Is when it happened. I could have sworn it was final I, eight to four. You might be it, right. I, I can't it remember. Might, it. It, it might have been. I, I know it's real um, deep. The last day of the tournament, so it's a huge. I think know, he. I think if I, I should know this because I, I think he lost a Lechner. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lost. He lost to Max, and I wasn't sure if that was for Max to get to final four or to get to the. I don't think it was to the finals. I think it was to get then, to final. then it was the, then it was the final eight then. Um, but yeah, he lost that match because I think he ended up actually forfeiting the first game if I remember right because uh, he wasn't there in time because he was about remember. to get in. No, I think I think he made it like just on time, but he was on that that precipice where they were gonna you know start penalizing you. Yeah, I just remember he made it, he swung by the booth after his match. He he lost eleven to four or something like that. He came back, uh, came by the onboard booth and was telling the story and yeah. he said he was about to get into the shower and he had his phone on do not disturb and he just happened to look down and saw there was uh, ringing before he got into the shower. Um, yeah. And that was what and that was what uh, yeah, caught him yeah. before he got in. It sucks, you know. You don't want that stuff to happen, but it's almost like a lot of the kind of performance people that I follow online they they all talk about you know being prepared for stuff like that and being able to have systems in place to to recover quickly and you know just reset. Ultimately, that that's that's your responsibility, and you can train for those things, but it's it's tough to have to go through them and then play a quality player who's playing some of the best pool of his life. You know, it's it's already. You're already splitting hairs trying to get that advantage, so you're starting on the back foot here. But seems like a good reason to uh, go talk to Tara with the Insight Performance Coaching to be able to prepare you properly for these types of things, huh? 
one of the channel sponsors. Uh, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that is is part of you got to visualize for the good and visualize for the bad. And, um, you know, it's really just something that emotionally you're unprepared for. So how do you how do you develop that flexibility? You know what I mean? So it doesn't tilt you. Talk to Tara. That's how. That's right. Plug for insight performance coaching. There yeah. it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you asked me a long time ago who was who was my favorites going into this. Uh, I, I like Tyler from the American side for the American players. I like Tyler to make a deep run. I don't like him to win the tournament. Uh, I don't think he's quite there with his game yet, but I do like him to maybe maybe make a top sixteen, top eight type of run. Um, you know, things a couple a couple rolls go his way. It wouldn't surprise me to see him in the final four. It would surprise me to see him in the finals or to win it. But uh, I could I could see him in the final sixteen as like a like a starting spot, top eight if he's you know playing real well, and top four if he you know get a, gets a couple of rolls his way at uh, you know the opportune times. Um, I'd like Ooh. to see I'd like to see Shane Wolford make a run. Uh, just as I think he's probably I, got the, he's probably got the most pressure on him to perform well because he's passed up on going to a few events recently. Yeah. He's in the third spot, but there are a lot of guys trending up right now. And it's one of those things where he's earned a lot of, you know, points in the first part of the season. And then, you know, this middle stretch right before the summer and then going into the fall. He might not have any. Yeah. And he, he did okay in the, in the, I think he beat uh, Sky in the finals of uh, Oscar's first tournament. Was, yes. it the Brent, was it the Brendan Crockett Memorial? I think he, he double dipped Sky know. in the finals. It was uh it wasn't the Brenda Crockett, it was just it, the, it was the first one, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, he, he played a great event there and he did he did play pretty well at the Texas Open uh recently. So he's he's you know, he's playing he's playing fine. So but you know, he's 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 in the he's on the bubble basically right now. And there are guys, you know, chasing him down for for points. You know, BJ's right on his tail, uh Tyler's on his tail, um uh Lucas and Hunter are you know, right there. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things, you know, the, he's had a great season so far, so he's probably feels fine and just going to go show up and, and try and play as best he can. Like we're all going to, uh, I think the last American to win was Shane. It was it 2016, 2016 or 27. It must've been 2016. Cause I think was 2018 the the Josh Wuchaching final or was that 17? 19. That that was 19. That was 19. Um, so then Jason won in there. Uh, so yeah, I mean 2016 sounds right. Look, well, I guess so let's been, queue it up. I team get on it. It's been seven years uh, since an American. I thought about that because there was a, you know, Coco Golf just won the U.S. Open as a teenager yeah. uh, in tennis. And it was a uh, she ended, I think, the longest drought for Americans, um, you know, not having won it in in quite a while. So, um, yeah, I was just thinking about the same since, thing. Since Serena Williams, I think. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. 2017 was Jason Shaw uh, and then 16 was uh, Shane Van Boning. Yep. Fantastic. Oh, and the, yeah, the yeah, I was thinking the uh, the 2018 because I thought Josh won after Jason, but he did win after Jason. There just wasn't a 2018 year. Yeah, I can't remember who what was it. Uh, who won the 2018? There wasn't. There wasn't one. I think that was that was when um, Matchroom bought it, and then they oh, didn't run one that, in 2016. 
Oh, I see. So there was a there was a gap year. Well, there was a, there was a, there was two gap years. They actually only had it one year out of three because of the COVID year, and then uh, that was when um, that was when Matchroom bought it. I think Fire. they bought it in twenty eighteen. Yeah, brutal. So, um, so yeah. yeah. So after the open, then there's the there's the uh, Wolfston event happening right before the International Open, um, and then there's also going to be I think the Vietnam and Asian Open. Correct. Uh, the the Asian Open. Yeah, yeah. That's um, right after the U.S. Open. I think Tyler. I I think Tyler's going to that with um with Shane, and I think BJ is also going to that event. Uh, the Asian Open is the tenth through the fifteenth. BJ Ushery is going to go to that. Yeah, he's going. He's got his passport scheduled. He's going to go to both events: the Asian Open and the Vietnam. Oh, good. For, I mean, awesome. Good for BJ. But like, yeah, he's crossing that that off his list. Uh, could you imagine? Like if you could make, if you could like name any, like spending enough time around BJ, yeah. the idea of BJ Ushery going to Vietnam or the Asian open, like you want to talk about like culture shock. <laughs> I cannot well, picture him going to Vietnam. <laughs> he's been to the, he's been to Southeast Asia before he's been to the Philippines and oh, has he? yeah. Okay. Sure. And, okay. Uh, and so he, he's kind of gone out there and stuff and has some experience with that. And this will be, you know, he's doubling down on stuff as far as the matchroom events. He's just going to go to every single one. So he's just trying to, he's just trying to hit that Moscone cap, right? He's got the great thing about him, which I think, you know, um, I, I, I wanted to bring up a point as well, because, you know, we have people talk about like Moscone cup stuff, like the casual fans, they'll say stuff like, Oh, we need to get Federer on team USA, or we need to get, you know, the Filipinos that live here in the USA on team USA. And I'm like, you guys are talking like have you guys have no pride at all as americans you know i this is really like i just want to say this to everybody like go kick rocks or go somewhere else and like go watch a different sport because if you're a real fan of american pool i mean pool started here in america and we had decades of dominance like europe didn't want any of it and europe got better you know they pushed their skill levels up and now they're in a decade of dominance and this is how these things go like they're now putting the responsibility on the American players to get better. And there are a lot of American players right now who are getting better. You just don't see them because it's expensive and it's hard to get out there. And there's a learning curve that you have to go through. BJ has a great resource because he has some local people who are investing in him, making sure that the price barrier between him and getting these events doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So he can just go and fade it and he's committed to going. And that's what you need for guys like that to make that jump from 760 to 800 and get those reps against the top guys. BJ is one of the only Americans this year who has a win against Fetter in match play. Damn it, and Matt. And, that's the argument I was going to give. I mean, and, right. Okay. You got to go. Through- is the land of, U.S. is the land of immigrants, man. I, I, mean, I, totally, I totally understand that. I totally understand that. But people are saying it because they just, oh, the, the pain point for them is like, oh, we just want to win the Moscone Cup. So let's just put anybody yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, oh, course, let's let's have Alex Pagan-Lyon and John Mora and then make it North America. Oh, and add Mexico. And then, oh, add South America. Stop it. Stop it. If he wants to go through the process of becoming a naturalized American citizen, it's a five-year and, and then wants to represent his new company. Or exactly. Company, country. I'm, I totally support that. You but know it know takes I mean? some levels. It takes some levels to get you to that point. Yeah, it takes time. It takes like five years. It's a lot of legal red tape. People are talking about, let's just solve this problem right now of like, five I don't want to lose anymore. <laughs> I don't want, the Americans don't want to lose either. 
okay? But suck it up and have some national pride and support the guys that are going now. If you really want Team USA to win, invest in the guys that are going and help get them to the events where they're going to earn points. I'm sure Lucas in New Jersey, you know, has a lot of people there who support him. Whenever I watch the stream, they're pumping him up. They're putting him in spots. They're putting him in matches against Jonas and against uh, Morris Newhausen. Like, he's getting experience. That's what you need. Like, go find somebody that you like and get a corporation around that kid or whoever and get them to go to these events. All right. Otherwise, you're just complaining and whining. Oh, I want to win the US. Like, they want to win it, too. And there's about 30 or 40 other guys who have world class talent and are putting in the reps now to come in and spoon food, spoon feed you what you want, which is a Moscone Cup win. We all want it. We're all working for it. But stop crying about, oh, if only we, we can get Canada to join and we have John Mora and Alex Pagaline and we can definitely win. Like, that's disrespectful to the American players. So if you're not an American fan, don't be an American fan. Go cheer for, for, for Team Poland like uh, Nate does. But sitting here and saying that, you know, oh, we, need, we don't need anything. We have enough talent in this country to win the Moscone Cup. What you need is consistency. And you, we were three to five years behind the curve against Team Europe. And this started what? about three or four years ago. Even at that point, Johan stepped in and we won a Moscone Cup and we were behind the curve. And last year, it was a really close match. I was in Vegas. It was a close set. If Skyler doesn't miss that one ball with the extension, it's 8-8 tied. You're going into the end of the, the, the you know, you're, you're flipping coins now. So I think, you know, yeah, it can be depressing and overwhelming and frustrating, but this is part of what makes sports great is going through these things, you know? You have people, like, look at Novak Djokovic. Imagine yeah. imagine having ball in hand in the history of tennis, being, as, being, you know, and coming up in the history of tennis, right? And you have to come up and win tournaments against Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer, who both have 20 freaking major tournaments, never been done before. 21 and, and 22, I think. Passes them. Everybody's saying Roger's the GOAT. Everybody's saying Roger's the GOAT. And then he comes up and he and they bar him for a year and a half, two years. He can't play in like five majors. He could have had 30 majors by now. You know what I mean? Like oh, I'll not get carried away. <laughs> my, he could have he, only, he, he could missed have, he missed he, he missed the have, US Open he, twice and he missed the Australian Open once. Twice. He has 24. No, just once. Right. He, he, and he's he was out the, the next year. He's won the US Open four times. He's won the Australian like 10. He's a favorite to have 26 or 27 majors right now. It's, un it's unbelievable. But he came up in hardest. This is the hardest era of tennis ever to have come up. You know what I mean? He could have been in the early 90s and been competing against one guy. You know what I mean? Or two guys, you know? He's coming up against two of the goats ever and is dominant. Like, it's crazy. So this is what sports calls for. It calls for greatness. It calls for people to be intentional and get better. And that's what these Americans are doing behind the scenes. But everybody wants the instant like gratification of just winning. They just want to win. They don't want to suffer. It is painful to go through this stuff in a sport where you have such little reward and such a high cost to get there. That's why you don't see a lot of Americans in the mix right now because they've gone through that pain threshold and they didn't even have the matchroom tour set up to even give them an incentive to want to go out. Now there's an incentive and there's guys that are coming up hitting balls five, six hours a day multiple times a, a, a week and putting in the work and you're going to start seeing them come out and get deeper. You know, you've already seen BJ win sets against Federer. You've seen Lucas take a set off Federer. You've seen these guys kind of like Lucas, rise. Up Lucas is going to be, I think he's, I think this year is a little early, but I think next year I, I'm worried. I'm worried about his, 
I'm worried about the things that he does um, surrounding the game, surrounding the tournament play, I should say. I, I don't know how many times that I've seen him at three, four, five o'clock in the morning still up gambling with anybody but who will those play are, him. Those are things that he'll smarten up to because he'll realize it costs him an extra two innings late in the tournament when he's tired because he's investing more in the gambling side. Shane did it too. When Shane was coming up, he was at Derby gambling and playing. And then he was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, my priority is a tournament and I'm going to rest and freaking, you know, just put my effort in every match. Cause it does take a ton of energy to win those matches. So Luke's that's 23. He's young. He's a baby. 22, this, is, this is stuff that he's going to experience and go through. And then he'll find what works for him. But you got to go through it. Shane Wolford last year paid his due. Probably should have been on the team last year. Has paid his dues and now knows what works for him. You know what I mean? He went into the UK Open and took took home four grand. He made the final sixteen. You know what I mean? That's hard to do because you have to make the final sixteen just to break even. Yep. Just to break even, maybe make a little bit of cash. You know what I mean? But he put himself in that position because it was worth it to him. So he stole four thousand points from there. Like these guys are working hard. So if you're an American fan, this whole like calling, oh, let's 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 have this uh, let's have this person become a like, dude, you're looking at it the wrong way. We have had the talent. We have the talent now to win. We had Realistically, the even year. if we don't, we had the talent last year to win from- with a dysfunctional squad. Earl Earl was not a functioning player. Unfortunately, he didn't show up to the event and wasn't mentally sound. It, it became. It it became and so he was an unproductive player for the team and he had you extra mean, matches. You mean he did exactly what everybody said he was going to do? Crazy. I don't really care about what other people say so much. <laughs> it's more about how you I play do. in the moment. Because when he went to the International Open, he looked like one of the best players in the country. And after that tournament, you know, it's it's tough to swallow for let's say Wolfer, because he was in that bubble spot, you know, but I understand the murkiness of the Earl situation because of the year prior, all that stuff. If he would have played like that at the Moscone Cup, we win the Moscone Cup because he doesn't fail in the two spots that he had chances to win. And those two extra points puts us on on the hill. And maybe you get an extra spot from Oscar and you get one point from Oscar and you win the cup. So we're already there. And that's with a dysfunctional squad. And Europe had freaking four guys over 820. If they would have picked Federer, they would have had five guys over 820. So they have on paper a dominant team and they only won 11-8. And that was with us having a dysfunctional squad. So like unpack this and realize if you get five guys out there that work together and are committed and just show up and win one or two points here, one or two points, that's how you win the Moscone Cup. And you have your anchors, Sky and Shane, go do what they do, which is what they always do. Just go play solid. So like the mystery to winning the Moscone Cup is not a great mystery. It's just timing an opportunity. You know, those guys are human too. They put on their pants the same way you do. They go to the bathroom the same way you do. To sit here and talk about them as like if they're deities and how we can't win is short-sighted and it's 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 ignorant of what happens in competition. Because I watched the first two days and they were dogging it. They were feeling the pressure because they feel the pressure. The yep. coach was sweating. The coach was physically sweating. He was. Yeah, he was. You know, Shaw was shitting his leg. I mean, it was like everybody goes through it. And these are the best players in the world. So if you think that they're immune from dogging it in front of their home crowd. You just can never properly prepare for that event. No, it's it's not something that you can put in a vacuum and just, oh, this is it. This is the algorithm. This is the answer. That's not how this works. That's not sports. But we still got to have a, we still have to have a fully functional, competent five players. That's all you need. You need synergy. You don't need one superhero. 
Okay, it's and not going to be one guy to go in there and carry the. That's not how this works because you can only play a certain number of matches. You need a cohesive team. Although Sky does his best job at that. Sky does pretty good at dragon. <laughs> carries nuts in wheelbarrow and rolls it in and just drops it on the table and does his like he plays like a gangster in that event. It's just like he's built for that, you know. And he plays great. I, I mean, it's super. Like, how do you not admire that? You know what I mean? And he just goes out there and gives you everything. When you yep. have four or five guys that that have that attitude that go out there and give you everything. That's the recipe for winning. That's how you win in team sports when you give everything as a unit. Okay, so who are the fourth and the fifth? So we, we all, we, I think, I think with what you're describing there, you're you're talking Shane, Sky, and Tyler. So who are your other two players? To me, right now, if I have to pick today, it's it's Wolford and BJ. That's that's no. been the that's been the roster for me, uh, probably the last three three months, three or four months. Interesting. That's I, it. I, I, I like the Wolford pick, but I, I think I think Oscar still gets the nod for me. No, Oscar's not going to get that. Oscar Oscar's not going to get the nod. Unless I'm not he saying who I think he. I'm not saying who I think is going to get picked. I'm saying who I would pick. No, if I, you're I, asking I, who I think's going to get picked, I, I think Billy. I, I, I think, think Billy BJ, Shane. B, Billy who Thorpe? Yeah. No, I mean BJ. BJ's out traveling, playing every event. The, and he still doesn't. And he still has almost the same amount of money points as uh, Billy. Billy won one event. He won one event, and he's played uh, less events than Billy has, I think, especially at the beginning of the year because he missed a couple at the beginning of the year. But Billy is where is he? You know, he's he's kind of playing. He's, he's he, I think Billy is at a point where he has to prove himself. Now he has a lot of upside because he's another one of these guys that handles single big moments like big pressure moments really well, and he has some experience, so you can call on that. But if he's not up to form and doesn't have a strong U.S. Open, he's not going to get the pick. Like if you're putting it up to a decision and it, it right now it's about who's playing good now, you know, who's playing good right now to me, the cohesive team, Tyler's playing good. Wolford to this point has earned a spot. If he can just stays consistent, he'll get a spot. And then I think it's going to be like, if let's say if BJ and Lucas have solid U S opens and international opens, like in those spots, if they have deep runs, one of them is getting the pick. Well, I mean, if, I mean, of course, over, I mean, if, over Billy right now, unless well, Billy sure. shows up. But, I, but I could say if, if, but I could say if Billy has a deep run in the international and the U.S. Open, they're going to pick him, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Disclaimer, because he has experience, and so that's so who do you think? Who do you think has a better chance of going deep? I think Billy's a better player than BJ. I think B, uh, Billy's a better player than uh, uh, Lucas. Billy, Billy again is one of these upside potential guys. But a lot of that has to do with how much work he's putting in because he's not one of these guys that's like like a like a let's say a fetter, right, who's super fundamentally sound. He's a rhythm and feel player. And if those things aren't clicking, then it looks really bad. It looks really so, bad fast. Sure. You know? Whereas somebody like BJ is a grinder. And even if he's not feeling good, will win matches against top players like I've seen him come to Orlando and beat. Lechner and beat like you know these top Europeans some of the Asian guys come here and play a big pro event and beat them by grinding you know yeah but but you're talking about somebody who's I mean if there's one thing about BJ that he always has these giant headphones on and he's always blocking himself out from the room you can't do that at the US or you can't do that at the Moscone Cup no I totally get that but that's I mean he's playing in certain events where he's not doing that too so if you're if your argument is oh he wears headphones like 
No, my argument is my argument is I've seen Billy under those lights. I've seen what he looks like at the I, Moscone Cup. I, that's the only caveat you have for for Billy right now is that Billy. And has I think he's a better. And I think he's a better player than BJ. Okay, that's fine. That 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 that's a fair assessment. But having BJ playing every event now and winning matches and qualifying points and traveling and doing these things that Billy's not doing, and he's playing better pool right now than than Billy's playing. Just, well, I mean, if if. And I'm also looking at the the history of the JJ's picks because if it came down to who was playing the events and who was who's, uh, you know, who's peaking at the right time, Earl would have never gotten the pick last year. Earl played one event that entire last year, basically. I think I think it's fair one. to say that the Earl pick was a uh, JJ can say what he wants as far as like this was like a you know this was a me pick and I totally get that because Earl had a fantastic international open and the international open should count because again you're talking about guys who are peaking. Who's peaking at the end? Bergman made made the team after having a fantastic run. Didn't play anything all you know that that whole season. Had a great run at the International Open. Made the team. Like he's a wild card. The coach is allowed to pick a wild card. Absolutely. You know, Matchroom did ha, had what happened happened to them with Earl the year before the COVID year. I thought it was BS. It could have been avoided. And so for me, it felt like a wow like a, one day sooner. Like it, yes, yeah, ten days earlier. Like just have it not be a factor. Yeah. whatever okay that happened that sucks now you leave yourself vulnerable did you play good enough this year to earn that spot every time jj's talked about the team when he talks about guys on the outside it's not josh roberts you know it's not like it's it's bj it's lucas it's tyler it's uh shane wolford and then somebody always has to mention billy you know and i'm sure he's talked to billy billy knows what he has to do to earn that spot right now i think he's on the outside looking in based on the season that he's had. That's I'm just me. That's just me. If I'm picking today, I'm picking I'm picking BJ and Wolford and Tyler as the three guys. Those guys are solid, strong competitors and know how to win and have and BJ to his credit has more experience than all of them and maybe except Shane as far as over time playing competitive pool, you know. He's Yeah, he's, but but he's, he's now, he, he has zero play. experience in that arena. I, I understand that, but what do you want? You're going to have guys who are coming out who are quality players who guess how they get that experience by going to play. I'd feel way more comfortable having a guy like BJ than having Earl on, on the team. Oh, sure. Earl has the experience in the world. I agree. I agree. But, Earl, but, yeah, I mean, but, but we also yeah, we also I, know that Earl's not at that level anymore. People He's are just, talking about let's put Joey Tate in last year uh, instead of Earl. Well, imagine, I mean, don't, imagine don't how put that bad. here because don't put that here because that that's that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not saying anything about Joey Tate, but I'm talking about like Joey is has a tremendous potential. Actually, like Jeremy Stosi before I like BJ. Jeremy's another one of these guys who I'd be totally comfortable with because Jeremy again has tons of experience in playing. He's a solid player. He can go in, fill a role, and can win a match again. He can win one point against one of these guys in a race to five because he's beaten these guys in races to nine yeah. and eleven for ten years. So I'm, I, I'm, you know, there's guys like that that are, you just need a role player in that fifth spot, a guy who's going to gel with the other guys and who's going to go win a match. If you can that's, win one point, see, that's why I push back. And I just don't, I just don't see BJ as that type of player. Dude, go play BJ a set for a hundred and tell no, me. How no, you're no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> talking about. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is like a guy that gels with the team. A guy's yeah. the guys that goes out there. He's going to blend it with the team. He's going to gel you with don't it. Know that. We don't know that because we don't know how he interacts with the other players, and we don't know how. I don't, but it, but I do. I do know that I've had I've had I've sat down for dinners with him before, and he 
you know, I, I've listened to him talk about the way that he, you know, talks about other players and he thinks that he's like one of these outsiders. I mean, honestly, when I listen to him talk, I, I, I listen to, I listen to him and I think, wow, this sounds a lot like Earl. Well, he's from North Carolina. So there's that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, 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 I talked to him enough to know. For, for me, I look at like the intangibles and the toughness behind players and of the he, guys that we're talking that, about, I will give you that. He is the toughest guy. He has just, I'm, I'm not questioning that at all. If I want to go to war with somebody. I want to go to war with somebody who's a fucking, excuse me, who's a pit bull and who's a bulldog. And he's a bulldog. I want a guy who's going to chew, bite, claw, fight, grind every shot. And of all the guys we're talking about, he is by far has that over everybody else. And if I'm going to pick a guy to have in one spot to be that fighter and not quit and not the, just just be in and be hard and be committed to, to like, that's the guy. He's done it for I, coming out of North Carolina. I don't know if you know, because a lot of those guys don't travel around. There are champ, stone cold champions that live in trailer parks somewhere. You know what I mean? Who play Jamma pool. Like I watched Seminole Pro Tours go to North Carolina, Corey Duell and, you know, all these guys, Stevie Moore and Johnny Archer and whoever. Okay. And they showed up and the guy who won the tournament was some guy from North Carolina who lived five miles up the road from the pool room, never heard him, him before in my life. And he's drilling Manny Chow and he's drilling Corey Duell. And like, you know what I'm saying? And BJ plays better than that guy. So if you're asking me if I feel comfortable with a dude who I think, you know, we don't get a, we don't get to see him often, but he's a stone cold champion and he's a grinder right. and he has yeah. heart. For me, it's about heart intention and, you know, and, and synergy. Now, if you want to say that maybe he's not as synergistic as Billy because Billy's close friends with, with Skyler. Or and, Jeremy Solsey. Yeah. Those guys don't have as close relationship because, because they don't they don't travel around. They're not as that's fine. That's friendship stuff. And I totally get it. And if you're at a position where you have to pick between those guys, you don't have the luxury of saying you have one or two guys here that, you know, like what do you want as far as a makeup of a team? That's up to the captain. The captain's going to decide. What do and we the need second part of it is I wouldn't I don't know if I'd want two rookies on the US side because I think Shane Wolford is close to a lock at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that he is, but I, I would think that he's pretty I mean he'd have to he'd have to be doing some pretty bad stuff the rest of the year to not make it in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, do do you want two rookies? The Moscone Cup is its own thing, but the good thing about somebody like Shane, right, is that he's traveled to a lot of matchroom events and has experience in playing with them and has wins over the Taiwanese players, you know, he has two wins over Coping Chung. You know, he has wins over David Alcady. Like he went overseas and beat David Alcady. Like that's encouraging. So it's not like it's just this like out of the blue, you know, rando inexperienced rookie. We're talking about rookie in the sense, but he's got to get a crack at the Moscone eventually. Right. If he just keeps showing up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's going to get a crack at least, especially right now in five, 10 years. Maybe we have another five, six guys that are in the mix. And now it's really like, but you need these guys to continue. You need to reward these guys who are going out and taking the shot because those are the guys that are going to be the next part of this 10, 15 player rotation of people that are legitimate picks until the wave of juniors get enough experience, like a Joey Tate, like a Landon Hollingsworth, like a Laz Sam Henderson. Sam Henderson. We have all these great juniors. And we have other guys. We have guys like Alex Olinger. Alex, if you're out there, bro, travel, man. Hit balls. You're a tremendous player. Jeremy Seaman, keep traveling. Get out there. Anthony McLino in Florida. 
get out there. Stop sitting on your butts because we have these 750, 760 Fargo guys out here that all they need is reps. But of course, it becomes a logistical thing. Money, time, work, time off. Like we get it. This is the this is the the balance everybody plays. BJ, Lucas, these other guys are in positions where they can just say, I'm going to pick up and drive to this tournament and go to this tournament. He drove to Iowa. BJ drove to oh, Iowa. Yeah. He doesn't like to fly. North Carolina, he drove to Iowa and then drove back. That's got to be close, probably close to 20 hours, if not more. He drove there. Are you kidding me? Like, there, there are people, you know, like the, these guys are putting in the work. Donnie, too. Donnie talked about earlier in the year wanting to go to more of these events and maybe go to overseas. Like, he's in a great position. Jesse Engels, Jesse Engels and Demetrius were going to do that, too, but I don't know yeah, what happened. Jesse, to, Jesse's back hitting balls. That's a tremendous player to have. Oh, my God. He's a talent. Up there, like in the mix. If he if he does what Tyler's doing, because he's got those fundamentals, and he's he he went he had a double hill match with uh with he's Jason too. at Derby, and he has heart. Yeah, these are another see. There's guys like this who have heart, have intangibles, and have experience over time. You know, playing against the best players in the world. I wouldn't blink an eye if you told me that. Oh, we're gonna pick Jesse because he's in top form and he had a great run at the U.S. Open or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be happy for him. There's a ton of guys like that. So if I, if again, just to circle back on my point, American fans, like just cool it. Okay. We're in the transit. We're in like year three of this transition where where we're like five years behind the curve. Like the next two years are going to be really great for American pool. And you're going to, we have the receipts. Okay. Of you saying, Oh, I want to have Alex Pagaline and and John Mora in Canada. (laughs) Like, bro, go walk, go, go somewhere. And I, I have all the respect in the world for those guys. They're tremendous players. It sucks that they're not involved in something like this. But, I mean, come on. Have some American pride, bro. Jeez. Uh, Ed Ladawi's so wrong. I think there's. I think the the two best junior players in the entire U.S. are still Cash Keaton and uh, Sam Henderson. Cash is another one that, I mean, he's a tremendous talent. He, had a, he has list. a win. He has a win over Fetter. He, he beat Fetter last year's Texas Open. Uh, you know, he beat him in a nine ball. Uh, event. It was nine on the spot. It wasn't the break box, but it was nine on the spot, template rack, and he beat Fetter. So, you know, then that's a race to nine. And he's a he's a junior. Some I mean he's got backers and he's getting in action. I know all that stuff. Like that's the culture that he's coming up in. So you don't see him as much as Lucas. But if he cared about the tournament stuff and wanted that exposure, he's a guy that should be traveling and chasing, especially now that he's young and he doesn't have to deal with like the maturity of life and all the things that come with a mortgage and a family and bills and a job, whatever. Like, dude, if that's, if you want to play pool, like cash your ticket, man, here's now's the time. It's really about timing for a lot of these guys. And like guys, you know, the older guys who have experience and didn't travel because there wasn't a tour, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder, you know, and they have things to prove to people and people don't know them and they want to say this and that. They talk about the juniors. We got guys that are in their 30s and 40s who are tremendous JAMA players who will know how to play the game well and are smart players. And that's what you want. You want guys that are tough, that can hold up under pressure and know what it's like to get matches and steal matches off the best players in the world. You know, that's that's what you want. So I think the is in a good spot. I think I think we're in a good spot. Spies. It's driving me crazy. Yes, huh? I forgot about Cash. Oops. Did you forget about Sam again too? You know, the kid that just uh, doesn't play juniors. Uh, for like six years, and then goes snaps guys. off two of the three. <laughs> There's a few of those guys. There's another uh, junior. Uh, heaven forbid, I forget his name now, but he's from I think North Dakota. 
And he doesn't play in any of the JIC stuff. He just goes to pro events because that's where he's focused. You know what I mean? And he's gotten big match wins against top players and a super humble kid. And he's working on his game by himself in his city. He, he has a barn where he has a table and that's it. You know, he's out there training and then he goes and plays big events. And he's just going through that process over and over again, learning, you know. So there, yeah, there, I mean, Keith says, uh, Brandon Shuff's uh, beat stops. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's seven or eight, yeah. uh, players in the, you know, they're, they're early to, early to mid thirties that can beat any European pros that come over here. The problem is they only play four months out of the year. I mean, you're talking Chip Compton, yeah. you're talking Josh Roberts, you're talking Brandon Shuff, you're talking Donnie Mills. Johan um, is Sosa, super, Tony Johan's Super talented these, player. These players don't play for more than three, four, five months out of the year. I mean, right. one of, I mean, maybe the most talented person uh, that I've seen, as far as like the, and he's not young anymore, but he's probably the biggest waste of talent I've seen of any of the U.S. players is probably Shane McMinn. He just he's he's not willing to play any events. Yeah, and that's up to him. That's a personal decision. That's a it guy. Is- gain a lot of experience and could polish up and become a, a, a legit player. Obviously we talk about guys like Bergman. We talk about guys like Justin. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Justin Bergman is the biggest waste of talent. Sorry. <laughs> no. Bergman and Justin. Hall, I missed him. Justin, Justin Hall is a cool, a good and Justin one Bergman are the two most talented, like American players, probably the last 20, 30 years. And they're under realized talent because they don't put in the work behind it and they're not disciplined enough to go, or they have decided not to go and chase these events. Now, if you had those guys locked in as options and you have as part of this pool of like fully polished, they're out competing and sharp. I mean, Justin Hall got like top five in the U S open third or fourth or something like that. When um, the year that Carl boys lost to Kevin Cheng, he made a huge deep run and he was right there. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, him not really training hard rotation for like you know a year you know to, i mean the guy's triple talented and knows how to bank well knows how to win knows how to get the cash and he played stop with the mike DeShane stuff you want to talk about annoying the fedor like uh on team usa find it more annoying to find i i find it so annoying to hear the the mike DeShane stuff he's not uh, coming back he's he's in, burned too many bridges he's done <laughs> in the last 10 years uh bergman and justin both justins i think now, except for Skyler, Skyler's come out and kind of really taken it to a high level, but Bergman and and Hall both played tremendous, you know, in the Moscone Cup, going to Europe here, whatever, you know, they they played awesome, you know, they played really awesome. So those are two guys that you know flow and and handle that stage well too. You know what I mean? So I I'm just I'm just saying that America has the talent. They have the players, they have the re- what they need. What those players need is the resources and the time to get up to speed because the Europeans had 10 years where they were drawing dead. You know what I mean? Really? <laughs> you know, when Archer was still in his late, you know, dwindling away, none of the Europeans wanted him. None of the, you know what I mean? They just didn't want to deal Connie, with him. Connie, Earl, Rodney. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you had guys Corey. like, I mean, JJ played great. Uh, you know, you have guys like Sean Putnam. Sean Putnam, you know, before he stopped playing, you know, he, he got second at, at, at the U.S. Open. Like, these are guys that could have been, you know, his health con- you know, considerations, whatever. But, you know, we definitely have enough talent. We have enough players. We just need the resources and the things to time up. And maybe it's about building an infrastructure outside of the matchroom stuff where those guys are sparring more regularly. You know, maybe there's like a, a – it's, it's hard because we're spread out. But, you know, creating an environment where you can have a boot camp 
you know, a quarterly boot camp or something where you invite, invite 10, 20 guys and a few juniors and just get them to round robin, to spar, to train, to look at match footage. Like, you know what I mean? The guys that are serious about like breaking down, I like what BJ calls, you know, it's basically a glorified chess game. You know what I mean? When you're playing rotation, you're playing nine ball. How do you get to the point where you have the opening? And then you just handle your business because everybody runs out after a certain level. You run out, you make the balls, you break, you keep going. Now there's a situation. What's the right shot? What's the right move? Right. So now you're playing the, the chess side of it. And I think that the new break format lends itself to that more regularly, which makes it dynamic. So now you can sit back and watch situations where each player did something in a certain match, what worked, what didn't work. And you workshop that, you know what I mean? And then you go out and you play like a Moscone Cup style thing. You get teams of five and you see who works well together. You just make notes along the year. That, of course, costs money and resources, too. But if you're serious about building a program where Team USA, Team USA as an entity wins, who's Coach Krzyzewski? You know, who's hosting the combine? You know what I mean? Well, we're going to gather these guys together. D. Atkins has a great uh, place where he hosts juniors and stuff. And they get three. Yeah. Imagine if D. Atkins, you know, stepped up and said, hey, I want to get three or four of my juniors who are my standouts, right, from across the country and put them in this workshop where we have 10 of the top Americans come and we're going to, you know, we're going to house them, you know, we're gonna, we'll have food and all this other stuff. I'm sure we can have people put money together for that. You know, it's just money, right? It's money and scheduling. So we get Shane, you get Sky, you get Tyler, you get some of the, you know, the guys that are up and coming, you get some juniors, you get 10 guys together and you practice for three or four days. You do that two or three times a year. You're going to tell me you're not going to exponentially speed up the learning curve for Team USA and you're going to have a cohesive team. You get to now build relationships with guys and figure out what works, what doesn't work. And sometimes you need to have somebody hold somebody accountable and say, hey, I don't care that you're the golden boy or the star player, but this isn't going to fly. You can't do this. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to be about team, then we got to be about the team. And you start building that. Doesn't it? Yeah, you can have a, a, a C on your jersey, but who's the guy who has influence? You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, like VCAT, like, uh, like, like the JJ thing doesn't yeah. doesn't JJ need to make that happen or whoever whoever the team USA captain is? I'm sure JJ would would be happy to be part of something like that. I don't know if he has the time to to organize logistically that, but I think having conversations with the heads around the country who are these people of influence in each region that makes a lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? If you're talking about I want Team USA to win, right? Which is what we all want, right? The year that we won, we had that kind of, you know, Matchroom was able to pay for some of the funding of like getting these, you know, the group of six or seven guys to travel to different tournaments and and get those reps in. Like, is it? And then we had a practice match in Russia against Team Europe. And then we had a practice match in England against Team the UK. And then, oh, look at that. We won the Moscone Cup. And this was what, four or five years ago? So, like, what's the mystery? We're better off now as a whole. 2018, 2019, we won? Yeah. Then then we were when we snapped it off, and people are complaining that we need outside players. No, we're more experienced now. We have more guys coming up. What we need is that same organization. We have the blueprint. We know what it is. Well, we had – you know, whatever whatever you want to say about Johan, he kept the players in line, and he – he enforced exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't know if I don't know if Jeremy isn't able to make those same things, or if the the U.S. just got lucky those two years. I have no idea. But Johan, I think, I think seemed he to also, know what he was doing. I think as part of the deal, he negotiated with Matram to have the funds to go do that because he felt like if I'm going to do this year one, year two, I need I need yeah. I need to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So I think that happens. So if if we don't have that coming from Matrim right now, and we're invested in wanting Team USA to get better, then we need to come up with thirty, forty thousand dollars and make it happen. Sure. Right? Maybe. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to talk about training as a sport, everybody always talks about Team Europe does it like a sport. They have these whatever. If you want to do that as a sport and set it up right, then you got to get money to break down that barrier to make it happen. And those guys that are traveling to those events are going to come to this. I promise you. And you're also going to get seasoning for the juniors behind the scenes and get them up to speed to where they can legitimately be considered to be in contention for a wild card. Because right now they're not ready. They're taking it upon themselves to get ready. But doing that themselves takes five years, six years, seven years of experience, of traveling, of doing this. And that takes time. And sometimes life changes. Things happen. You drop out of rotation because you have to go do this. Or you go to school. You start your career. You start a family. And now your availability. And now you've missed a little bit of your window. Now you got to wait till that window reopens down the road. That's what happened with me. I was 23. And my, everybody around me was like, look, go to school, get your career started, do these things. And so my involvement as I was cresting up came back down. Now I'm on the other side of like eight years, nine years of doing that. And now I'm in year two of kind of just getting back in and learning again about myself in the competitive arena. There's a lot of guys that are doing that, you know what I mean, who are kind of going through that relearning process because it's not like a light switch. You turn it on and off. A guy like Chris Reinhold, is a perfect example of having the opportunity meet the availability. He was ready. He was there. He slotted in and he performed well considering, you know, he just was, was pulled into this huge thing and gained a lot of experience. You know what I mean? But we talk, we don't even mention him, but he has Moscone cup experience and he's taken time off to get his career right and, and resolve the financial pressure of, you know, trying to get to that elite level. It's the most expensive, the hardest, the loneliest, like it is brutal. It really is brutal to deal with. So for guys to have like, I got to eat, you know, I got to go take care of that so that I can come back and just enjoy pool and play pool and not be like, if I don't make this ball, I'm not going to, you know, have dinner tonight or something. You know what I mean? Like that wears on you. And unfortunately, it's it's, it's a real thing. That's the reality of where we are as a sport. So until we get that outside money to come in and have people organize and like, this isn't a crazy puzzle to solve. It's not a crazy puzzle to solve. If you're vested and you want to do it, get the people who are at the heads of each region, you know, talk about their top two or three guys, you know, guys that they want to see, you know, and then start pulling together money. You know, I mean, APA could solve this problem tomorrow. You know, they really could. Oh, yeah, they probably could. <laughs> ESI could solve this problem tomorrow and talk about curating a training camp for the national team. They could solve the problem. To, they could do it today if they really wanted to. They could solve the problem today. It's just organizing. Imagine it's like less logistics and organizing any any other tournament, but they could do it. Yeah. So yeah. no, you I, know, I agree. The veil is not a it's not a thick it's not this ethereal thing. It's a very simple puzzle to solve. It's input output. You 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 give yourself a chance to win. But until we have a system like that, then we got to go the slow way, which is paying your dues and traveling and like, you know. Eventually, you start figuring out, oh, I get along with this person. Oh, I don't really get along with that person. You know, oh, but these two guys I'm cool with. Oh, that guy said something nice about me. I didn't even know that he recognized my game or recognized those things. And now you, you, you know what I mean? You become a familiar and then you get to play with him and you view him as an equal and not as somebody that, you know, who knows, you know, but you break down all that mystery when you have, when you cut bread with somebody, you stay in a room with them, you travel with them, you get to know them. And that's stuff that doesn't translate you know, in social media land, right? We have this idea of like what translates to what doesn't. Like you don't know because you're not on the road. You're not there when, 
you know, this guy was stuck on the side of the road and needed a freaking ride and you helped him out and you, you know, whatever, or like, you know, who knows? He stuck off. You say, Hey, this person's talking about trying to steal your cues, you know, whatever, like that stuff is what happens in life, in real life. And that's where you kind of figure out who's solid and who's not, who's for you. And, and then, you know, you build like actual rapport. But if you want to have rapport across all these Americans by nature are very individual, which is cool. There's, there's a strong suit to that. But when we talk about a team event, we have to start building and fostering uh, systems and, and places and environments that are supportive for the team, right? Supportive of people interacting together and progressing together. Mark Wilson, with his uh, setup in Lindenwood when it was going, I was kind of like that because I came from South Florida and there was I was just alone. I'd practice by, by myself forever. When I went to Lindenwood, it was like a, like a soul level uh, ignition for me. It reminded me why I love the game. I walked in and people across the skill level spectrum, like amateurs, amateurs just getting started and top, top players like a Landon or Sherrick or Bergman or whoever that would happen to be there. Chris was there. Yeah. Everybody there was super positive, super supportive. Yeah. Super supportive. The, the, the Larson kids, all of them. Um, um, not, not the Larson kids, uh, 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 April Larson the was Hansons? there. The Hanson. Yeah, yeah. Her and her brother were both there. You know what I mean? But everybody there I was... Her, I don't think her brother was there. Um, her he brother... Was, her brother's two years behind. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he would have been old. He definitely wasn't there when Mark was still there. Well, the... I think Taylor Mark, only overlapped by like one year. Yeah, my experience Tristan, going Tristan there, Hansen's his name. Tristan. Yeah, Tristan. My experience going there, that was the most positive pool-related environment I'd ever been a part of. And it was hard to walk out of that room and not be inspired. Like, if you ever lacked motivation, walking in there for 20 minutes, you were ready to run through a wall and play and drill and, like, remember why it's important. You know what I mean? And everybody there was no ego, and they were all about improving. And that ecosystem is, is like, awesome. Because a lot of these guys are, are you know, they don't have those supportive environments around them. And so they have to be tough. They have to be set apart. They have to kind of create these barriers around themselves because everybody's just talking crap about them or trying to knock them down. And it's no wonder we get a lot of guys who don't invest and go out of the way to do these things because they don't have anybody around them that wants to support them and nurture the player, nurture the person. Mark, in that system, it was the dead nuts. I couldn't, I couldn't explain to you going there and leaving there, I was a different person. And I was there for four days. So imagine having something like that with intention that you do over like three days. You do that three times a year. America's a favorite. I'm sorry. Just doing that, I promise you. America's a favorite. Like have, and not only that, like you have a you have getting, you have a project. Get it you done. Start, you start getting juniors to start believing in themselves and having friendships with these top players. Skyler does a great job of working with, with the kids. Wolford, those guys, like they, they, they reach out and they, they help them whenever they can. You start doing that intentionally as the leadership. I mean, we have to look at ourselves as men, you know, the guys who are at the top of our pool uh, ecosystems in our different regions. Like we have the ability to influence and change things and we take the back seat and we never act on it. You know, D Atkins is doing an awesome thing right now. 
in in his area for his juniors. Oscar does really great stuff in California for his juniors with Adrian, and his room is an awesome place. They have a culture. It's more action and more, but they're all about getting in and mixing it up and like working on their games together. And nobody there is afraid. You walk in off the road, you want to play. You're a good player. You can get a game there today. You have four games coming at you. I wanted to go in there and just practice, and I had people asking me to play, and I'm like, ah, I just I have an hour. I need I need to get quality time. If I get into a gambling match, you know what I mean? It's gonna be like I'll be here for a while, and then I have to wake up early in the morning to do a project. Like I had to turn people away, and I'm like, no, I just I'm here to practice. But in that room, that's the culture. And you can expect if you come off the road, you're going to get a game if that's what you want, right? There's there's these kids in all these different places. Like if you just set them up for success and give them what they need, the right motivation, the right intention, the right people behind them, encouragement, and just consistent work, I'm sorry, but you can't tell me that we don't have a competitive team to win against Europeans. Europeans are great, but guess what? They're not all united by one country. We're all American. They have to deal with somebody from Albania, somebody from Germany, somebody from Russia, somebody from Spain, and then learn how to gel, right? What they're enjoying is the benefit of being incredibly skilled champions, but they still have to figure that part out, the unity part. I think we have the advantage there because we're all Americans. Even though we have our own regional kind of subtleties, like we can all get behind the fact that we're Americans, right? So I think when we talk about setting ourselves up for success, like, I'm not the one that's going to wave the white flag and say, John Mora, come save me. Alex Pagalain, come save me. Jovan Bustamane, get naturalized as Feder, please. I'm sorry. I have too much pride for that. I'm saying, how do we solve the problem? Put in the work. How do we put in the work? Like, let's develop consistency throughout the approach. Let's get these guys together. Watch game footage. Like, this is the stuff that any sports team does. So if you're in, you either have like a Kobe Bryant mindset of like, okay, this is the mountain that I need to climb. I need to be Team Europe. I got to start working every day towards that. You know, I got to have a training camp. I got to make practice really hard. I got to be dedicated. I don't feel like it. I don't care. You want to know what happens when you have two guys that both want it and they're in it, the same environment and one guy's like, oh, I'm not motivated today. The other guy goes to practice. He gets up and goes to practice. It's not he sits down on his couch and watches Madden and talks about how good of a player he is. No, he gets up and he goes to practice because Tyler's practicing. Because Skyler doesn't like to hit balls, but he sees Tyler's hitting balls. Fuck, I, I got to get up and practice. Shane's definitely hitting balls. You know what I mean? He's practicing six hours at a time. Okay, cool. Shane's hitting balls. I'm hitting balls. That's what happens. When you get around alphas, when you get around guys that are winners that want to win or are hungry and want to win, the accountability takes care of that. You're going to have one guy who's going to say, I'm up at freaking 6 a.m., have my breakfast, do my workout, shower, eat. Go practice three hours. Okay, lunch, watch game footage, whatever. Da, da, da. Okay, great. I'm back in and I'm going to practice for another three hours. Oh, I'm going to work on the break now. Oh, I'm going to practice this kick. All that stuff happens when you get in proximity together. And that's when you get the best out of each other. So if you just multiply that over and over again throughout the year and set it up, then it happens. You win. I'm sorry. We win. So if I don't see, if I hear one more person, oh, oh let's get Federer, Team US, that's the only way we change. No. No, that's not how this works. Federer is a tremendous player. I have all the respect in the world for him. I hope he he joins Team Europe and is dominant for. He's the best player on Team Europe for the next fifteen years. I want him to just just I want I want to go and get our guys and go and go beat that guy. That's what I want to do. I want it as hard as possible for USA to win, and then I want to go win. That's how you say I'm a champion. That's how you get Dirk Nowitzki to say I have a very significant NBA championship because I beat 
LeBron and the Heat and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? Or the Pistons can say, I went out and beat, you know, Larry Bird and I beat Michael Jordan. You know, they can rely on that because they did the hardest thing possible. Let's not make it easy on ourselves. Let's make it as hard as possible and then go figure it out and then go establish a decade of USA dominance again. That's what I want to see. So that's the mindset I think we all need to have as fans and then just problem solve to that end. That's it. That's the end of the story. Otherwise, you're not a real competitor. Like you don't care about competition. You care about just getting a sticker. Okay. And I'm not about that. Competitors, they want to go compete against the best. I want Wu Cha, go add Wu Cha Ching to Team Europe. Okay. Go, go assimilate Asia. Go do all that stuff. Like go at him. <laughs> okay. Go at freaking Efren. You need to calm you down, Ray. You're way too worked up for a Tuesday I mean, afternoon. It's, it's, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It really is. It, everybody should be ashamed of yourself. If you're asking for Federer to be on Team USA, you should be ashamed of yourself. We moved continents and conquered a different part of the world to be Americans. Remember that. Go be an American. And I'm sorry to Native Americans. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're not pumped up right now going to go hit balls, then I don't know what, what to tell you. You're, you're, you, you need to go see a psych. Uh, I think that seems like a pretty good place to close it out. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll give we'll give a shout out quick to our sponsors who will allow us to continue doing the podcast. So Jacoby Custom Cues, we love you. Here's an ad. The same break you I use, the Jacoby Blackout. We love them. We also got to give a shout out to Horo Tips, Onboard Sportswear, Digital Pool, Salado, uh, Billiards Digest, and Insight Performance Coaching. We'll also give a shout out to the Patreons that uh, allow us to continue doing what we do. Double Dave Q's, Dave Wiersma, Mo Bashir, Cody Wedig, Edla Dawi, who was in the comments, as was Matt Poland, uh, and Morgan Lupton. We thank you all for your continued ongoing support. And there you go. Uh, there, That should trigger you and set you off. Judd Trump for Team USA. How does that make you feel? Uh, snooker players can get the eight. <laughs> we love it. All right. Ray, thanks for uh, joining us this week. It was a blast. And thank you, everybody, for joining in, in the chat room. We'll see you next week. I'm getting an American flag tattooed today. I'll see you later. <laughs> Perfect. Bye. <laughs>